I'm going to invite our panel to come on up. And as they're coming up, I'm going to take a couple of minutes to introduce what we're doing tonight. As you can tell, it's going to be a little bit different. We'll explain it in just a second. Good evening, King of Kings. Oh, that sounds so good. Look, we have a great night planned. It's going to be a fun time. And uh, as we're getting ready to get started and our, our panel is finding their seats, we want to have you put on your calendar. So if you have a phone calendar or maybe you have that big old school calendar in your purse, pull it out, put on the date uh, September 21st, Wednesday, September 21st. We're going to have a great time of worship right in here as a community, worshiping the Lord, inviting him, and then with some strategic prayer praying into some specific things. So we want to invite you to come out on that night. We're going to have a great community family time together. And then we're going to end that night with coffees and cakes up in the pavilion lobby. Great time of fellowship. So put that on your calendar. Let's look forward to doing that together as a community. And then we want to remind you that next week, our senior leader, Pastor Chad, is returning. He'll be back with us in the house next Sunday night. We're looking forward to that. So we want to encourage you to come out and welcome him back warmly and make him feel again as a part of a community, our community, and uh, just bless him and his family as they return back to Israel. So that's next Sunday night. Tonight, we are wrapping up our long summer series, Living Wisdom. As you know, we've been going through the book of Proverbs and examining those core areas that make up all of our lives as human beings, our human experience. And uh, Proverbs, God has tucked into the book of Proverbs great wisdom that impact these core parts of our experience as human beings. Whether it's how we relate with our parents, how we handle our finances, how we steward our sexuality, how we live healthfully, how we uh, use this powerful tool, the tongue in our mouths. Uh, we have also looked at... Uh, um, on the wisdom of work, the wisdom of how we impact and lead all of the people that are in the sphere, circles of influence in our lives, what it looks like to have a, a joyful life, a happy life in the Lord. And then last week, Pastor Ray did an outstanding job looking at self-control. Probably one of the hardest messages that we heard this whole summer, this idea of self-control, because if you have that component of self-control, you're able then to steward all of these other significant and important areas and parts of our lives as human beings. Uh, if you've missed any of those uh, uh, throughout the summer, we'd encourage you to go and grab a hold of those in our archives. I know that you will enjoy those. Tonight, we are going to do something that I think we've saved the best for last. We are going to be looking at this area of relationship, this uh area that if you think about it impacts all of our lives no matter who we are how much money we have how old we are if we're young old male female rich poor it doesn't matter because in this reality we're born from the day that we're born to the day that we die relationships impact our lives in all different kinds of levels and in some ways it's the very very best parts of life and in some ways it's the very very hardest parts of life, and we're going to talk through that tonight. And so we've invited to, to talk through this a panel of very wise people. And uh, so let me introduce, yes, I look at my wife first. <laughs> let me introduce the panel to you. You guys already know who they are, but let me introduce Pastor Vaco, kind of oversees all of our media and keeps us all connected. <laughs> Pastor Ray Ramirez, who oversees all of our worship and keeps us worshiping the Lord. Uh, Wayne and Ann Hilsden are senior founding pastors. And this beautiful young woman here, my wife, Melissa. Now, until last night at about midnight, it was going to be four guys talking to you tonight. And I was laying in bed and it hit me like, really? Four guys talking about relationship as if we know you can laugh. Please laugh. It'll make me feel a lot better. So I was talking to Melissa about it, and I said, oh, that's just too much. It's, we, we, we don't have enough time to add any women. 
And then I get a text from Pastor Vaco this morning. Do you realize it's four guys talking about relationship? So I said, okay, Holy Spirit, I, I'm hearing you. Let's, let's just reach out and see if anybody would join. Thankfully, um, Wayne, or excuse me, Anne, thank you for joining. Melissa, thank you for joining. And uh, the, the stage just got 10 degrees uh, more wise with these two ladies joining us and, uh, and a lot more beautiful for sure. You can say that again, amen. <laughs> Listen, my goal tonight, our, our goal, our hope is not to just tell you our own man-made understanding and wisdom. We really want the Holy Spirit to guide us in our conversation tonight. So I want to pause and take a couple of moments to invite the Holy Spirit to prepare our hearts and to also prepare our minds as we're speaking and sharing some different things. So would you join me in prayer? Let's pray over tonight. Lord, we do, we say thank you that your promise is to always be with us when we gather together in your name. And Holy Spirit, we are asking now that you would come and anoint our minds and our mouths, that you would fill us with wisdom that comes from you. Um, I pray, God, that you would just remind us of scriptures, you would remind us of your truths, that you would connect us with your pearls of wisdom for this uh, significant and important part of our lives. We're asking, Holy Spirit, that you would lead us and guide us through this conversation, that it would glorify you. And then, Father, I'm praying for those that are in the room tonight, those that are joining us online, everybody that will listen to this message later, uh, Lord, that you would prepare their hearts, that you would be their Holy Spirit, uh, allowing the words to land in the right places in their spirits, in their minds, in their hearts, that they would be encouraged by you tonight in all of their relationships to be able to grab a hold of those and to honor you with them. God, that this area we would find uh, a new strength, a new hope, a new sense of your purpose in all of the relationships of our lives. We pray that in Yeshua's name. Amen. So let's go ahead and kick this off. Uh, every newborn, according to uh, author and speaker Jenny Allen, every newborn comes into the world uh, seeking someone looking for them. This is a reality that plays out all of the rest of our lives. We come into the world looking for someone looking for us. Said another way, God has created us, designed us for relationships. And in, in this reality to know and to be known, to know other people and to be known by them. God's created us for relationships. And we see this from the very beginning as God proclaims in chapter 2 of Genesis that it is not good for man to be alone. Now we often associate that with marriage alone, but it's not just for marriage. God is saying it is not good for us to be alone because he's designed us, he's created us to be in a relationship and community with him. And he's created us and designed us to be in relationship and community with one another. And not just once in a while, not just when it's convenient and we like the people that are around us and it feels good and they like us back. He's designed it to be a part of our lives all the time, 24-7. And that's why we can say that our souls, our hearts, our spirits long and desire intimate connections. We desire authentic relationship because God created us this way. He created us to look like him and he is intimate and he is relational. So much so that when we are disconnected from relationships or when relationships are broken, it hurts us and we suffer when we don't have uh, the right relationship or, or any relationship at all. And this is actually what we're seeing in the world around us today. The social scientists are starting to describe something uh, that they are seeing called an epidemic of loneliness. Uh, a recent study just came out that said three out of five people are describing themselves as severely lonely. Not just lonely, severely lonely. There's a loneliness epidemic. And we see people... Uh, stepping away from and out of their relationships, friendships, community, 
marriages. Uh, Melissa and I know two or three different couples that just in this last six months have ended their long-term relationships in marriage. So we see that this is a, a dramatic problem that's taking place around us. And most of us are finding, we, we're struggling. How do we do relationship? How do we do community? How do we do friendship? COVID didn't help us at all. I've been talking to pastors worldwide, and, and these guys can verify that there are, every church in the world is saying, yep, after COVID, some of our people came back. Look in our room. Some of our people came back, but not everybody's back. Lots of people are comfortable now in their pajamas at home. Uh, in, interestingly, uh, an, another statistic just came out just a few years ago that for the first time in the history of the world, people are living by themselves. There are more people living by themselves than in family and in community for the first time in the history of the world this would lead to that severe loneliness. So we're gonna dive in. I'm gonna join the team back here. Are you guys ready? Got your microphones on? Thank you, Vico. I was gonna do that, but I forgot to do that. Okay, so here's our, our first question. Let me get myself situated. Some of the best parts of our lives uh, or because of friendships and relationships with other people. Also, at the same time, some of the hardest parts of our lives are because of relationships and friendships with other people. So if we've been created for friendships and relationships, and we want and long for those relationships, why do we find it so challenging and difficult to be in relationships with other people? To build and develop friendships, to build community, and to build family together. Pastor Ray, I'm going to start with you. You look like you're processing over there. <laughs> and guys, just feel free to dive in off of his answer. You have some other answers. Why is it so difficult is the question yeah. that we find it difficult. I was looking at this and in, in, we were reading actually in our community group this week from James and James talking to the the Jewish people in the diaspora, and he's, he, he was speaking to them saying, what, what is the source of conflict among you? And, and he, he talked about this difficulty that we have within ourselves and the challenges that produces in relationships. And that's just part of the dynamic we find ourselves in this existence in this world because of sin in the world. We find it, there, there's this fighting against what's in us. And when we come into relationship with other people, those things, they bump one another, and, and that can make the process difficult um, in, in building effective relationships. But I think the thing that, that I question, Mike, is what, what's, what am I looking for? Am I looking for purely something to receive, or am I looking for an opportunity also to pour into something? And I think that's a, that's a big part of, if I'm purely looking for relationship as something to receive from, uh, then, then I'm only seeing half of the picture. And I need to see it as also a, an opportunity to utilize the things that, that God has given to me or to you as an individual to pour into someone else or into a relationship. That's good. Vico, do you wanna add anything to that? Yeah, I think uh, it could be that they have such a different opinion to my opinion, the other people, or that that emulse me, what they are, how they are going to affect me. And uh, it's like I'm chopping my trees and in my uh, balcony and uh, don't go that way and cut that out. And, and actually they become looking much better that way when when you do that, but yeah, it's a lot of people are hurt and uh, and have hard times in their lives, and and of course we want happy relationships mostly. You know, who wouldn't want that? But but they may be consuming, and yeah. I think. In summary, actually, of what both of you have said, it's um, 
When I'm born, I take my first breath, and it's all about me. It's all about me. Babies, it's all about them. And all of a sudden, the process begins right there at birth of, no, it's not all about you. <laughs> and it's relating to my mom and my dad and my siblings. Without them, I'm not provided for. Without them, I don't know how to speak, how to behave, how to function. And of course, the Lord designed it that way. He designed relationship and family. So I have to let go of me. Yeah. And I think what both Pastor Ray and Pastor Vaco said really summarizes that, that it's not comfortable for me to let go of me. I have to allow myself to be aware of others to give as well as be aware of others and humbly receive. It's not always easy to receive. That's good. Other comments? I think one of the challenges is if we really have a genuine friendship, if that's what we desire, it means we have to be very vulnerable and transparent about who we are. And that's scary, right? Because we know how unworthy we are. We know when we have failed, sinned, we can often feel like ashamed even. What if people find out what I'm really like? Then they'll probably reject me. And so in that insecurity and that maybe even shame, uh, we're not willing to go deep with people. And so our relationships are very superficial rather than truly friendship at a deeper level. So we're staying in the safe spaces rather than hazarding the, the depths of relationship. Go ahead, Ann. I, I wonder if uh, during COVID, a lot of people just turned to social media as a sort of a counterfeit for real relationships. And, uh, you know, it's always nice to have that when you can't do anything else. But things happen online uh, but things happen in real life that can't happen online. Right. Yeah. And things happen online that are, can be very devastating in our world. You know, people put up videos on, on TikTok and, and, and then they get jeered at and made fun of. And people are brutal in their, in their interactions on a lot of the social media, especially with the, with the kids. Right. And so I think that it creates almost a, uh, um, an artificial social... Yeah climate that makes people want to just recoil yeah and i i really believe that god wants us to move out of that and and get back into contact so we're naturally vulnerable already yeah. it, it, that idea of vulnerability is already scary to us yeah. but that new environment may, makes it even scarier yeah. Yeah. to step out and to embrace other people what what are some answers to um being able to be vulnerable in relationship. How do we step beyond ourselves? I know this isn't in the questions that we prepared, guys. How do we step into that reality of friendship being a place that's awkward, potentially we're exposing who we are. Um, we, we are we're wanting to go deeper and, and beyond the surface. How do we do that? What are some <clears throat> keys that we could offer to be able to step into the messiness of relationship, knowing that it's going to require stuff from me that um, is awkward or difficult to give. How do I, how do I do that? I've been in a lot of circles where one person in the group of, let's say, a dozen people will suddenly be very vulnerable and open up about something very scary about that person's life and they admit, they confess their sin to the group. And I've seen that open the door for others to then be vulnerable and transparent. And who, you know, who's the first one to be courageous enough to start that conversation? And those friendships go deep when that happens. I can tell you, among various leaders that I've gathered with who have been the most vulnerable, I feel the closest to. 
uh, you know, they're real to me. I want to be that person's friend because I know I'm getting the real person. Yeah. That's good. Other thoughts? Let's just keep going and we'll maybe circle back to that idea. Um, what is it that you would say most of us are actually looking for in our relationships, in our friendships? What is it that we want out of them? Well, I would say companionship. Um, though some of us might call ourselves um, introverts and we are energized in time alone, still we have a need um, for those others to add different perspective to our lives, even if it's not easy. Yeah. to hear it all the time. I believe God designed it that way. Good. So we're looking for companionship. What else are we looking for? Ray, what do you think? I'm just thinking like teams. You know, I'm just trying to think of like a team sport where it would be you by yourself and what that would feel like versus a group of people in a people watching and cheering and uh, there's yeah. just a camaraderie yeah there's a a strength i could say especially when we do things together and and we're working together and i think relationship gives us affords us the ability to work together to encourage to challenge one another um and so i like looking at that picture of it i would say growth i want a relationship where someone is going to be interested in seeing my growth yeah. as well as I'm seeing their growth. And I was thinking just on the side of that, kind of back to our other question, um, talking about you know someone that would say, I, I don't necessarily want relationship, um, but I, I would probably maybe say evaluate that because it may not be that you don't want relationship. What you don't want is pain. Yeah, good answer. That's good. You, you don't want to feel something, but it's not that you don't want relationship. You just don't want something maybe you've had an experience in your life. And I believe that's an opportunity for God to heal and to restore if we'll allow him in those places, even in, in difficult things that people have experienced in their life. So it's not so much that this is a, we don't want relationship, but we don't want to re-experience something maybe. The, the difficulty of it. Yeah. So let me circle back to that because we keep saying sort of the same thing that relationship is hard. If I want authentic relationship with other people, then I'm going to have to put myself in a potentially vulnerable position or an awkward position or for sure I'm going to experience pain. Because let's be honest, even in the strongest friendships, those don't grow strong without you experiencing some kind of pain along the way. As the, the, the proverb that we'll read later describes, the iron sharpens the iron. So if I'm drawing close to Wayne, he's my best friend, he's gonna say some things that are gonna hurt my heart. And I'm gonna say some things that are gonna hurt his heart. And so how do we work past that? So that, that's the question for us. Uh, and, and how do we do that? We're believers, what is the key to um, stepping into a, a relationship knowing that it's gonna be difficult and being willing to do the work to go beyond those spots? How do we do that? Does that question make sense? I guess I'll just uh, kind of let out, let it all out because <laughs> when you gave me this opportunity, I thought, yes, great. I got an opportunity to just share my heart about this. And it's the fact that Yeshua gave us a lot of one another instructions. And those instructions cover the hurts. You know, he, he didn't suggest that we be patient and that we cover others' sins. And he didn't just suggest that we forgive. He didn't just suggest how to deal with um, friction in relationships. He gave us 
real solid ways of doing it. And um, I just want to go back and say, you know, the Lord Yeshua said, he had two sentences that started with the words, the son of man came. First one was to seek and save the lost. And then he said, the son of man came eating and drinking. Okay. The first one was his mission. The second was his method. Hmm. And if you don't believe me, look up in the book of Luke, how many times he's at the table. Yeah. And so that's my big <laughs> point today. To do, we don't have to wait until we are invited. We, we can be gatherers in the most simple and um, almost primitive way around yeah. food. The Lord started that with all of the feasts. They're, they're not, they're feasts, by the way. Right. All these appointed times happen to be food times. And, um, you know, food is the thing that we all do every day. So that, you know, it's a simple thing for us to just gather around our table, unlock our doors, and make it a place of listening and of the one another things that Yeshua told us to do. And then we have something that we can just do from the ground up. We don't have to wait for somebody to organize a, a meal cycle or anything like that. We can just do it. And this can be just amazing kingdom stuff. By the way, in Kazakhstan, they do that a lot and the kingdom is growing and people come that are believers and people come that are not believers and and they don't they have these home groups with no teaching no music nobody's got to sweat it nobody's got to study they just open the table for those who have great things to share and they all cheer and then sad things to share and needs to share and then yeah. they pray yeah. and uh, it's just so um, organic so there, I said it. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That's really awesome. Yeah. yeah. And she and she lives it. So. Uh. And she lives it. Yeah, <laughs> she does. And that's a great plug to come out for the coffee and cakes after the prayer and worship in a couple of weeks. Just had to throw that in there. Can I just make the, uh, an observation? You know, the Holy Spirit was poured out on Pentecost. Three thousand come to salvation. And then verse 42 of that chapter, of Acts chapter 2, it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to prayer, the breaking of bread, yeah. going from home to home. And, and it, it's very much relational. It's very much, in a way, informal. It's around the table. It's, it's breaking bread. It's, it's all of those things. And it says at the end, verse 47, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Yeah. Didn't talk about them, you know, preaching on a street corner. Talked about them inviting people into their homes. So I think we need to rediscover the, the place of the home and, yeah. and, and food and fellowship and yeah. so on. I think it's a key to Take winning the lost and creating a community that's healthy enough for the lost to want to be there. Yeah and become a disciple and a follower of Yeshua. I just make one more point. And that is, you know, we're doing kingdom things when we, when we do this, when we just open up our homes and our tables for, in the simplest ways. We don't have to be great cooks. And by the way, this isn't a female thing, hospitality. Amen. Amen. It's an everybody thing. <laughs> it's good. You know, we can all be hospitable. And by the way, hospitality, I, I, I saw... Um, a definition for that, um, and it was loving the stranger. Loving the stranger. You know, what, what better thing can we do? And when we're, we invite people in our home, we pray about it, but we're giving a space for the Lord to come in and do his work yeah. among us. We're yeah. just opening a space. So I really believe that we, we start getting back to the basics of what the Lord told us to do, and we'll see amazing things happen among us. And, you know, lately, and Mike, I think you're really the one who's been initiating this, is having a lot of gatherings around food. Yeah. 
you know, Kabbalat Shabbat, barbecues, picnics, whatever. It's all about and, the food. And, you know, th that's where we get to know one another, typically. It truly is, yeah. You know, in a room like this, and we need this, this is a celebration, it's time of worship, it's really God-focused in a room like this, but... It doesn't happen on Sunday nights. You don't meet a lot of people in a room like this. No. It's when you have those informal gatherings in home groups, community groups. That's where you get to know people really, and that's where those friendships develop. Yeah. And it's a safe place for the non-believer to step yeah, in. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and isn't it a command of the Lord that yeah. he says, love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love one another? Right. Am I... Am I right on that? Yes, you are. Love your neighbor your as neighbor. yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. So that's the command. We, yeah. It's not an option, so that's why. That's the answer. Yeah. It's good. Vico. Yeah. In, in answer to your earlier, was the earlier question or this question about what kind of friendships, what do we desire in friendships? I think it would be very beneficial for, and I'm trying to do this in my own life too, to have personally one, at least one friendship where someone is more mature spiritually in life that pours into your life, you, who you can use as a sounding board and uh, ask them, be open to them about your whole life and uh, ask them, to, that make them ask the hard questions from you. And I've had that and, and although the questions were super hard. They really made me think about my life and my, my doings and my conduit. And uh, then also to have someone to pour into who is not maybe where you are spiritually today, that, that it will be kind of a two-way road. And then, of course, those people that are in the same place in life, they go through similar things as you go through. Those are great friends to pick and, and really to search these kind of people intentionally would, I, I think we would greatly benefit from that. I, I recently was listening to a podcast that said, you know, we, we want friendship, but we want it to happen overnight. And we, we think that it should be certain people. And the, the person that was speaking basically said, no, actually the people that are already in your life the relationships that God's already placed there, those are the ones that you invest into. You don't go out trying to find the friend. Invest in the people that are already in your life. God's probably put them there for a purpose, for a reason. They're probably the ones to have a relationship with and friendships with. And then begin to invest in those and realize that it isn't gonna happen in, in two weeks but it's gonna be a, a, a long-term process of growth in those relationships. Okay, guys, let's go down a different path here. Uh, with regards to choosing friends, you have the, the privilege, is that the right word? We, we have the freedom to choose our friends and the relationships of a family we can't choose. We're born into our families, but our friendships and those that we will go deep with in relationship in that area, we get to choose. So the question is, uh, what are the criteria for choosing friends? Do we just gravitate towards people that are like us and that like us and that we feel comfortable around? Or do we look for something more important beyond those things? What are some criteria? And then I want to read some of the Proverbs to us. These guys are going to put the, screen, uh, the verses up on the screen. Uh, do not forsake, uh, sorry, do not forsake your friend or friend. Do not forsake your friend or a friend of your family. And do not go to your relative's house when a disaster strikes you. Better a neighbor nearby than a relative far away. That's Proverbs 27. Proverbs 12, the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Proverbs 13, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. Sort of what Vaco was just saying. But the companion of the fool will suffer harm. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways 
and entangle yourself in a snare. The poor are shunned even by their neighbors, but the rich have many friends. Wealth attracts many friends, but even the closest friend of the poor person deserts them. The poor are shunned by all of their relatives. How much more do their friends avoid them? Though the poor pursue them with pleading, they are nowhere to be found. Proverbs 19.22, what a person desires is unfailing love. Better to be, a poor, better to be poor than a liar. So the question again, guys, that we're trying to answer is how do we choose friends? What's the criteria? What should we be looking for? Do we just gravitate to people that we feel comfortable with? Or are we more intentional? What does that process look like? I think maybe we need to maybe say there are two different types of relationships we're talking about here. So who are the friends that you invest in and who are the people you relate to? Yeah. Uh, you know, a friend is at a deeper level than someone you would meet with once a week or meet in a congregational context or whatever. Right. So I think we need to be careful, very careful about the friends we make. And it's, but Yeshua, and I'm just going to add there that the person that's your close friend is really the one that you're being vulnerable, vulnerable right. with. Yeah. You're exposing what's in your yeah. heart. You're not going to do that to all of your acquaintances. Right. I, I think we could mistake or misinterpret some of these verses to think that we shouldn't ever be with sinners, unbelievers. Good. I mean, good. Jesus, right. you know, had meals with tax collectors, right? So, but he's not going to befriend at the deepest level a tax collector. He's going to have Peter, James, and John, the inner three of the 12, yeah. you know, as the friends, the closest ones. And yeah. so... I think it's possible to get into a uh, a clique, you know, a small group of people, and you never meet with anybody else. Nobody's good enough for me except these guys who are on my same right. status, whether it's socioeconomic status, my spiritual maturity, or whatever. We need to be very relational, way beyond the walls of our congregations and even beyond our own circles that we typically like to hang out with. Yeah, that's good. Ray? Well, I think Vaco said something really good about having both sides of the table, having someone ahead of you. Uh, because I, one of the ideas of friends is someone that you're allowing the ability to speak into your life and to have people ahead of you in life that you can relate to, that you can be vulnerable with, that can speak into your life is powerful and, and very helpful. And I think Paul many times encouraged the older to be involved and to yeah. guide and teach the younger. So I think yeah. there's a principle there. But then on the other side of that also to be looking to someone that's coming up behind you and pour into that person. That also, I have uh, many who are younger than me that I pour into and I consider them friends yeah. and I pour into their life, but they're younger than me and I'm pulling, I'm trying to pass what was poured to me on to them and I think that's important. Yeah. So um, I think in that regard, looking for opportunities to have a relationship that can help you grow is important and also looking at relationships that you can help grow. That makes sense. Yeah. Melissa, do you have anything to add there? Wayne? I don't want to sound super spiritual, but, uh, and I don't live up to this like I'd like to, but I really think we need to be spirit-led when it comes to choosing our friends. The spirit might actually choose people that we wouldn't choose. It's true. And, and for he, some he probably mysterious will actually, reason, yeah. <laughs> he brings people into our lives, yeah. and we sense that I'm really supposed to build a relationship with that person. Yeah. yeah. That includes some of this, uh, the scriptures talk about don't become friends with a, an angry man and a, a greedy man, different. It might be one of those people <laughs> that, that God is calling you to pull in close and to be a 
uh, testimony in their lives to draw them out into a right relationship with the Lord. So how do we do that? How do we handle relationships with non-believers? Because that's a big question, I think, for a lot of us. I think if I was going to say, how has the body of believers handled it kind of collectively up till now, I'd say we haven't handled it really well in that we are very good at creating those bubbles, those clicks, those places where we feel comfortable or safe. Um, and maybe we're a newcomer or a non-believer, a sinner, wouldn't feel maybe so comfortable. So I don't know what I'm trying to ask there. The question I guess I'm asking is, how do, or how, how do we have friendships with non-believers? What, what, do, what should that look like? I think, as Pastor Wayne said, um, we need to be guided by the Holy Spirit. I mean, the scriptures also clearly say, do not be unequally yoked. Mm -hmm. And we all understand that teaching of, you know, the, the ox on the yoke, under the yoke, and where one goes, the other has to go as well. But I believe that we can walk with an unbeliever in, in close friendship, but there's always only so far you can go, realizing more that this person isn't a project. And I know that I, I, have, I have several friends, we've talked about that before, where they feel very hurt because they feel like they're a project. It's not, you're not a project, but you are so precious. I love you so much. I want you to see and experience the life of God um, through my life and me coming and sitting with you, um, you know, on the street or, or somewhere that maybe isn't my naturally comfortable place, but going to them, Yeshua did. Yeah. He went, he sat, he supped with the tax collector. But um, that was a big word, supped. <laughs> I don't even know James where that of, came from. King <laughs> James for food. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe That's I can good. pick up on the, we know the verse says, do not be unequally yoked. And we need to be pretty practical here. And that is, I, I'll tell you what my view is on this. I, I really believe it is wrong to date unbelievers and look to the potential of marriage with an unbeliever. I say that because the Bible teaches that. The, the tightest yoke I know of is marriage. Okay, it's a covenant relationship forever. That's the goal. I have had enough experience as a pastor in Jerusalem to know that it's a very rare thing for someone who gets into a marriage with an unbeliever that that marriage goes well. And in many cases, the believer loses their faith. That, that tends to be the norm yeah. rather than the exception. So, you know, anybody that just wants to even just look at um, risk, it's a high-risk thing to do yeah. to get into a relationship with that. I'd also say another aspect of this could be business. I would say any believer that gets into business with an unbeliever should at least have a 51% control of the business so that if things don't go well, there is a way to outvote and because things can happen that are either unlawful or just bad business and a relationship can easily break down when there's not a lot of common denominators, especially our faith. Our faith. So those are some practical things I think we should be, think about. That's good. Beko? Yeah, I think uh, when it comes to unbelievers, and our relationship with them, uh, I think it would be very important that we stay believers throughout the relationship, and, and they know that we are believers, and we trust God, and, and we bring Yeshua into that relationship very soon. Not, not wait for the perfect opportunity for years, but, but soon bring Yeshua in. And uh, I did that with you know, the Bible talks about neighbors, and, and I take neighbors seriously. And, um, and at, in Finland, we have a countryside uh, place, and we have amazing neighbors there. And uh, I have church with 
my neighbors every day when I'm with them. And they're with me a lot. And I could say that, that from a friendship level, they are maybe better friends than I have anywhere. Sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> but, but we go deep, and, and, and God is really real in those conversations. And, uh, and it's for me like a new thing. It's an experiment that, uh, that is, is working. And, and these people, when you are real with them about who you are, they respect that. And uh, you're not, you know, some missionary that is somewhere and then uh, he doesn't speak about Yeshua at all. It's weird if it's like that. Someone asked Yeshua once, who is my neighbor? And you remember what his answer was. He tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. So a neighbor, yes, can be the next door neighbor, but it could also be somebody who's very different than you, racially, you know, uh, a background could be actually totally different than yours, but God calls you into that relationship. I think that's really the example we've been given is uh, relationally God calls all of us back to himself. He doesn't differentiate, well, you're not good enough, you're good enough. But he calls all of us equally Equally back into relationship. And this was the example that was given to us to, to be welcoming, to be receiving, not forcing not controlling, but to be welcoming to people and offering friendship. And so we offer friendship to everyone, right? Right. That's, that's the example. And then we are friends with a few core people, including a mentor, someone that's in front of us, a mentee. I don't know if that is a real word or not. The person behind us, the mentee. Yes. And then, of course, our circle of friends are going to be the ones that we're going to hang out and spend time with. And we're, uh, we're going to be friendly with them as well as friends. So making that distinction between the two things. Can I Go just ahead, mention yeah. in this congregation, there have been many examples over the years of people who have been so beloved in their neighborhoods. And it's so good to see it. You know, we have to, when we give value and when we give love and respect and we don't demand that they change their ways or they change their uh, opinions or change. Yeah, that's good. You know, they, the Lord didn't give us those options. He was kind to the woman that came in to the house and did what, you know, used her, her prostitute uh, tools in order to honor him, you know, like the perfume and, and, and she just did what she knew how to do. And, and yet he didn't say, well, you can have to get your life straight and yeah. then, then I'll reach out to you. No, he was just so compassionate and honoring to her. And the same with Zacchaeus and, and many others. He, he reached out to them and uh, that's how I, we have to be um, copying what he did. Yeah. Yeah, I think because we have such an amazing gift that we've walked into the Father's house and we know what it's like to be part of his family. And as Vaco said, we just live that so that others can see that and want that too. And it is all about the relationship. The Father's love. And, and it's also this whole culture about inclusivity, that we include those people in that Father's house. That, that it's not that they are sinners and they are in the other side and we are on this side and you have to do A, B, and C to be on this side. But we, would, we welcome them and we draw them uh, in with this embracing in, you are included, you are part of us, come yeah. with me. And uh, let's eat together. And these are my friends. Let's meet my friends. And, yeah. and people desire in the world that, that, that they are included. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. a great example of that with the Alpha program. I don't know how many have been exposed to that. 
you know, what they say is you belong first, then you believe. But you belong so even if you don't believe. Right. But the, the belong is the beginning. It is, yeah. So you're already accepting them into your home or into yeah. your Well, I group. would say that that's yeah. what we really look for. That's yeah. what we're longing for. Going back to what Ray was saying in the beginning, that idea of team, we want to be a part of something. We want to belong. And, and there's so many that are lonely, as we said at the beginning, who don't feel like they fit in any place. It's a great harvest field in front of us and the food really helps <laughs> amen 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 Just people are comfortable over food it, 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 Even actually alpha cut. doesn't work without food that's yes. right they have to have the well there's there's studies i've seen studies that food actually creates an environment for us that makes us comfortable so as soon as we start to eat we relax we 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 let down our guard we take off the mask more or less and we participate in fellowship. Guys, I have one more question I want to dig into because Proverbs is probably the only place in God's Word that gives us some of these pictures of accountability in relationships. It outlines one of the aspects of relationship that is probably the hardest part of friendship that idea of keeping each other accountable. So, um, it shows us what accountability looks like in close relationships, in our marriages, and in friendships, and our relationships, and uh, and then how it works. So iron sharpens iron, Proverbs 27 says, so one person sharpens another. It's interesting there, it doesn't say 10 people sharpen another. It's one on one, you know, one sharpens the other. A friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart. And the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy, uh, but an enemy multiplies kisses. The good news version of that same verse says, "Better to correct someone openly than to think, uh, excuse me, than to let him think that you don't care about him at all." Friends mean well, even when they hurt you, but when an enemy puts his arm around your shoulder, watch out. <laughs> Oscar Wilde says, uh, "A true friend." stabs you in the front. I love that quote. So how do we describe this process of accountability? Uh, if we're honest, this is one of the hard parts of relationship. And in some ways, what maybe we are avoiding because we know I'm going to have, if I go deep enough with, with Ray, I'm going to have to be accountable to him. He's going to talk to me about how I'm living. Uh, how do we do that versus judging people how what's the difference between judging people or helping them by being accountable well you you can't expect someone to be accountable it's a, a choice that you give to someone else to be accountable for and uh, and if you want to grow as a person to look nicer to everybody, to look better in the eyes of maybe Yeshua or other people, you you need that. You you need a sounding board because by yourself you grow to a person who has these spikes and awkwardnesses, and and uh, really an other person can only give a input on how others see you yeah. you can't you don't know how you look like to others and I, i'm in shock yeah. many times yeah. on how i look to others until they tell me yeah that's good how i look like like pastor uh mike's mike told me that i spoke too long last sunday and i realized oh my goodness i really did that and uh i thought i was okay but i wasn't 
and I just have to trust that that uh, others can only interpret how you look like. That's good. And that's an awkward place to be, huh? Ray, I saw you were going to say something. No, I think pa Pastor Vigo said it well. There are things I think we we can't see in a mirror. There are things that we we can't see often about ourselves. And, and as Wade said, I, I believe the Spirit of God is very valuable to us in giving us truth. But also through people and through relationships, we're able to be given more a realistic picture sometimes than what we would see or think of ourselves. Yeah. Wayne? Yeah, if we feel there's something about a person they need to know about, and it's sensitive and potentially hurtful. We have to follow what Paul says, speak the truth in love. That's right. So somehow that person needs to know that you're saying this not because you think you're better than them or from some other motive. ulterior motive, but yeah. it is out of love. Yeah. I, I think this is gonna help you become a better person and already I respect you and already I honor you and are grateful to you. But here's an area that I think you could improve in. You know, I, I think in another pragmatic thing is to not sit somebody down and just rebuke them, but build them up. We're to edify one another. That yeah. means to build up, right? Yeah. So you build up that person and then you bring in that thing that might, potentially be hurtful, but you, you turn it around and say, now, if you were to do that, you're going you're gonna to develop into this influential yeah. person that yeah. God's going to use in a powerful way. Yeah, and good. then you compliment them on many other aspects of their life where they're really good at. And you have to couch it in that love and that, that, that desire for their best. Yeah, and in, and in real relationship. That's where that happens. Yeah, yeah I, I would add to that that it's the posture of our own hearts. Um, what is my motivation in coming and confronting you um, about something that is not in line with God's best for you? Right. Is the posture of my heart, I want the best for you. Yeah. I want you to know the Lord more. I want you to succeed. I want you to know that you don't look good or act well and, and you're not following God's best for you because I love you. I, I want to see you grow. And I also love the Lord and his love exceeds mine. And he wants for the body of Messiah to be ready for him and to be mature. And that's why he gave us each other to hold each other accountable, but to be each other's best cheerleaders. Yeah. I'm all about encouragement and ex exhorting one another and restoring one another. I was very challenged in Hebrews 12 over Shabbat yesterday, reading through how do we restore the one who is weak? We, the Lord calls us to hold up each other's hands and, yeah. and to create level ground for the one who is stumbling. And that comes with that word of in love, of rebuke, confrontation, but it's in love. It, it's the posture of your heart. And uh, M Melissa, you're really good at that, by the way. She you're is. a real encourager. She's the best cheerleader and, I know. And my husband <laughs> is really good at, at um, speaking calmly yeah. and nicely to people. And, um, but I want to just mention that with all of our relationships, whether it's with our dear close friends or whether it's those around us that we're, we're dealing with, posture is so, so important. And uh, I have to kind of slow myself down because, you know, I, I'm involved once in a while in the building industry, and I tend to want to go in with all my guns blazing. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, I got a husband to help me, you know. <laughs> but, but posture is so important, whether we're dealing with one another on an intimate relationship or close friends or acquaintances, people, other people in the body of believers or people outside. Yeah. It's all needs to be done in the spirit that the Lord would have us do it in for his glory. 
or his kingdom. So last part of this question, is it easier to be the one who is receiving the rebuke or the one that's giving the rebuke? Receiving. You know, I think it's hard giving rebuke. It is. That's what I was getting you know, at. Because you know, chances are you're going to be rejected yeah. uh, for, for the, having done that. Well, and, it, yeah. and what you guys just got through saying, that getting our, the posture of our heart right, that's hard. It, it's it's you, sometimes if you're the prophetic gifting, you can see the problem, but how do you say it in a heart of love and getting your heart right yeah. to to be able to communicate that without all gl uh, guns blazing? Can I suggest this idea where when we go to tell somebody they've got an issue and they should deal with it, start with your own issues in the conversation. This is, you know, I've made some mistakes in this area. It's good. I wish I, I wish somebody had spoken to me about that, because I had, I, I kept doing that over and over again, and then you talk about their issues, but, you know, from a place of humility, not speaking down to them as if yeah. you're the authority and you're right. the judge, but you're a, a fellow brother or sister dealing with similar issues. Yeah, that's good. I think they can handle that better. And one other practical thing, and that is timing. It's all about the time. You know, you want to talk to people about these sensitive issues when you're not rushed, probably not until they've had their coffee in the morning. Um, probably, I'm just, you have to kind of sense, is this a good time? Yeah. You know, if they're, if you, if they look pretty depressed and discouraged, Don't that's probably there. not a great time to bring <laughs> this up, right? That's good. That's really good. So let's just sort of wrap this up. I want to just make a couple of last comments and then we'll invite Pastor Ray to come back up. And the, this is, if you've heard all of the different comments tonight, this is kind of the reality that married, excuse me, relationship is challenging and it's difficult. It's iron sharpening iron. It's the messiness of confronting and accountability. It's... Um, walking with people as they stumble and they're trying to figure out how they're going to walk with the Lord. And God invites us into relationships knowing that it's going to be difficult, knowing that it's going to be messy. He modeled it for us in the earthly life of Yeshua. It wasn't pretty. It was messy. And so I think as a culture and as a people, we need to step away from the idea that is predominantly more important these days, this idea that relationship should look clean and pretty, should be comfortable, should be always happy, should be always cheerful. And the, the image that the culture is giving us is that if it isn't those things, then we need to let that person or those persons go and go find the people who are pretty and clean and perfect and everything's working well. And so I want to challenge us tonight. The, the real thrust of relationship is that it's not easy. I know that's not what you came into here tonight, but it's not going to be easy. And God designed it that way on purpose because as I'm sharpening my iron on someone else and they're sharpening on me, I'm becoming more like Yeshua. I'm looking more like the master. This is God's design in marriage and in our friendships and our relationships, in our parenting with our children. You're going to continue to run into those conflicts and God wants those conflicts to be there so that we have to trust him and push through to find the answer to, to that relationship, to find a way to, to make it continue to go forward and to not just give up on it and throw it out. You know, this one's not working. I'll go see if I can find a different community. I'm going to go see if I can find a different person. And I'm going to go see if I can find a different spouse. And so I'm going to challenge us tonight. That isn't the answer. God's answer is to grab a hold of his hand by the power of his spirit in the victory of the risen Messiah. Apply those truths and those principles in our relationships to work through the messiness. And what do we find then to the other side then? deep, intimate friendship and relationship. The very thing that we want, 
that seems like it doesn't exist there, the very thing that we want is in working through those difficult relationships. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to invite Pastor Ray to come up. I'm going to end with some prayer. Would you guys stand with me tonight? Thank you for letting us do something that we've never done before that I know of, experimenting with something different. I hope you had a good time. If you have any relational questions, uh, please write Pastor Wayne. He will answer every single one of them. <laughs> Wayne, I love you, man. If you, If we sparked something that needs to be answered tonight, please write to us here and we will dialogue with you on that. Amen. God, we thank you for the opportunity to uh, dive into your word. Thank you that you have given us relationships. You've given us close friendships. You have allowed us to experience the greatest part of our lives in relationship with you and in relationship with other people. And we ask uh, very humbly, Lord, that you would also give us the wisdom that we need for all of our relationships, the grace to be able to push through when it gets hard, when it gets messy, when it doesn't look pretty, when we feel hurt. Lord, we need your, your help. We need your wisdom. We need your abilities. Holy Spirit, come and empower your people tonight. We pray that in Yeshua's mighty name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Lord bless you.